0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is such a, a pleasure to be here, isn't it? To to worship together, uh, to see your faces. I've been down in Southampton for two years, uh, most of which i have been locked in my own house because of the COVID you know, pandemic. So it wasn't a great way to see Southampton. But it's wonderful to be back here in this chapel, seeing you guys uh, and being able to, to preach with you today and to, to sing with you as well. Uh, So today kicks off a four-week, I believe it's four-week, look at the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking at a chapter a week, and today's text comes from Philippians 1. In particular, I'm going to read out Philippians 1, verses 12 to 26, which will appear on the screen. There it is. Uh, But if you do have Bibles with you, feel free to read along as well. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NLT translation. So Philippians 1, verses 12 to 26. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ, they preach with selfish ambition not sincerely but intending to make my chains more painful to me but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine the message about christ is being preached either way so i rejoice and i will continue to rejoice for i know that as you pray for me and the spirit of jesus christ helps me this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Amen. So I thought I'd, uh, I'd start today with a bit of a poll, just get the read of the room. Um, so uh, could everyone put their hands up if they like Star Wars? Okay. Okay, actually, better than I was expecting. Obviously, I was expecting you, Eli, to do that. Uh, I didn't know you, Hannah. You like Star Wars. How- <laughs> I don't know. I don't pay attention. Okay, so there's a few people who like Star Wars. Um, please put your hands up if you disliked Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. It's because you're a true fan. Loads of the true fans hate Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Okay, loads of them. Why did you hate it, Eli? Do you want to shout out? Yeah, it doesn't compare to the originals or the prequels, it was very different. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I think you're wrong because I actually <laughs> loved it. Right? Absolutely loved Star Wars Episode Eight. Maybe because I'm a Star Trek fan. I don't know. But Star Wars Episode Eight does have the sort of stuff that you would expect a Star Wars film to have. So it has lightsabers. It has epic space battles. It has people using their power for good, for evil. You know, anger and hate battling in space against peace and kindness but a lot of Star Wars don't like it because it is very different to the other ones and it isn't very Star Warsy. In fact, it surprises them. There are things in there you wouldn't expect to see. It kills people who fans thought were gonna be there for films to come. It presents characters as aged and worn and just a little bit bitter when in the prequels they'd been all upbeat and happy, but time had passed and things had happened to them. And it has this epic scene sort of at the climax where it completely lies to the audience. It has complete deception in it. It makes you think one thing is happening and it makes the characters think one thing is happening, but it just isn't. Now, I'm not gonna tell you what that is because you should go and see it. I'm not gonna spoil it to an entire room full of people. But it has twists and it has turns. It has ups and it downs. And I don't think anybody walked out of that film, whether or not they liked it or not, thinking, yeah, I saw that one coming. Yeah, I predicted that. And if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend going and watch it, and if you have seen it, and you didn't like it, i recommend watching it again, because it is good. You just need to let it grow in you, let it grow in you. But in my mind, plot twists and turns can make or break a good story. They'll make some people hate it, they'll make some people love it, and that's fair. But what we have in Philippians 1 is a plot twist. It is a surprise, It might sound like a a nice, familiar Bible reading. You might have read it before in your personal devotions or heard it read from the front. But to the first listeners, to those people who heard it for the very first time, it would have surprised them. They wouldn't have been expecting it. Because this was a letter written from the Apostle Paul to Christians in Philippi. And it was written at a time when things just weren't going well for Paul. He talks about it in the text. In in verse 7, just before the bit we read out, but also in verse 14, he talks about the fact that he's in prison. And in verses 20 to 26, he openly discusses the fact that he thinks he might be about to be executed. And this letter was written in response to a gift that the Philippians had sent to Paul. They had heard he was in trouble. They had heard he was facing jail, that he was facing execution at the hands of the mighty Roman Empire. And they had sent him a gift. Uh, They had sent him a gift with one of their congregation called Epaphroditus, and they wanted to show him they supported him. And this is a thank you note. This is Paul writing to say, thank you for your gift, Thank you for sending Epaphroditus. And also to, he was writing to let them know how life was going for him. And they would have been expecting to hear about his sorrow, about his suffering, about his needs, his worries about his ministry. But Philippians is one of the most upbeat and cheeriest parts of the Bible. It is completely surprising that in midst of all that pain and suffering, Paul wrote one of the happiest books you will find in the whole, book, whole Bible. He gives thanks and, and talks about how he's rejoicing, all the while acknowledging that he's being constantly undermined by other Christians around him who are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. He says, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful for me. And you know, spoiler alert, Paul does go on to be executed. History is a little fuzzy about when that happens. It may very well have been this imprisonment that led to his execution, but it may just have been a couple of years later. But yet he writes in a way that is infuriatingly happy. Why? Why is he so happy at this time? Well, he tells us it's because the gospel is being preached. Paul shows immense joy in the face of immense suffering because Christ and the preaching of Christ's gospel marches onwards. He says, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Him being in prison had meant that his guards, his jailers, had been able to hear the gospel. He says, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, Knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Him being in prison had inspired the other Christians. They had made them bold. He had provided a stirring example to them. He says, Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So what? He says, People are undermining me when they're preaching. Still, at least they are preaching the gospel. He says, whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. It's okay, he says, that I suffer. As long as the world hears about Christ, I am content. Paul's joy, simply put, comes because he saw things In the bigger perspective, he saw things in the bigger picture. One commentator said this The crucial thing for Paul is not life or death, it is maintaining his faithful witness to Christ. Paul's life is not a matter of seeking his own comfort or advancement, it is all about seeking the advance of Christ's kingdom. The gospel. Is marching onwards. So he is content. Here is what we learned from that. Here is what today's lesson is. If you are taking notes, then this is the bit that you should write down. You're taking notes. We should live in full knowledge of the overwhelming value of the gospel that we have. Let us realise that as Christians, our lives are not meant to be about being comfortable. They're not meant to be about being rich or fulfilling our dreams. Christians should live their lives knowing they are part of something bigger, something, part of something important. They are part of telling this world about Jesus Christ. They are to share the good news of Jesus, of what he has done, and of who he is. Now, at this point, I wanted to provide a nice, concise summary of who Jesus was and what he did. But the longer I looked at it, the longer I tried to write it, the harder it became. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is so simple that the youngest child can understand it. But it is also so complex that the greatest theologian has barely begun to scratch the surface. I mean, where would you start? You could start with Luke 24. Verses forty sorry, verse forty seven. That says, It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That's the gospel. It tells us that Jesus forgives sin. It calls out all those who have done things they regret, all those who have done terrible things, all those who have ever screwed up or done wrong, and it says, there's good news. You can be forgiven. But there's actually more than that as well. Take 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 4. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said well that that tells us more because that tells us the cost of the forgiveness it told us that christ died for our sins he was punished so that we might be forgiven but it adds a next element as well because it says christ rose again he is alive and living. And later in that chapter, it says that we have a hope that we can be resurrected too. That's the good news. That's the gospel. But there's actually more to it than that, you see, because how about Revelation 21, verses 1 to 2? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, all these things are gone forever well that's good news to the whole world that that says heaven and earth will be renewed remade as a result of what christ has done that is good news to those who weep good news to those who suffer because it says god will wipe the tears away You can go through the whole Bible and speak about Christ in the gospel. In John 5.39, Jesus declares, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Every word and verse and chapter of the Bible points towards Christ, to what he has done, what he will do, and who he is. His work is glorious, his work is vast, but it is also incredibly simple. Jesus saves. That is what Paul was rejoicing about, that that message was being preached. And though he suffers, though he was in pain, Paul is saying, people are hearing about Jesus still. They're hearing about my Lord and Savior. And his suffering was only acting to, to spread the gospel further so that more people could hear the good news. Christians should live their lives knowing that they are part of that bigger thing. They are part of the ongoing work of telling the world about Christ. And if all else fails, we can still preach the gospel. We should live in full knowledge of the overwhelming value of the message that we hold. And in Philippians, we see an example of a man who did just that. Now, Paul never pretends his suffering doesn't matter, He's open that it's hurting him, but he sees his suffering in context. He says, The gospel carries on. God continues to work, so I am content. Now, I'd like to end today by asking two questions. Firstly, do you long to hear the gospel preached? Do you long to hear preachers stand here in this chapel and tell people of the wonderful news of Jesus Christ? Do you wish to hear the gospel preached to, to people who don't know Christ so they can hear Him of him for the first time? Do you crave to hear it yourself, to be reminded weekly of what Christ has done for you so you can reflect on the wondrous news, so you can grow in faith and knowledge and joy? The gospel of Jesus Christ is of enormous value. The good news is truly good and it is truly wonderful. Let us be those who smile when we hear it. Because to be honest, we hear it so little sometimes. There are many places where the gospel just lies forgotten Sometimes we, we forget it ourselves. Sometimes I do this. Sometimes good theology is preached. We preach good and clear and necessary doctrine. We hear it preached around the country, but sometimes it ignores the Jesus who's behind it all, the Jesus who theology is, is meant to be all about. Sometimes good morals are taught, and, and that's good. We tell each other to be kind and gentle, and that's a good thing. But sometimes we, we miss out Christ, Who is the ultimate example for us and who is the reason that we could be forgiven when we screw up all that other stuff. If you miss out Jesus, you miss out the point and faith becomes a burden instead of good news. And sometimes we simply teach ourselves and other people self-help advice. It's more good stuff. But sometimes preaching becomes motivational speaking. It becomes about how to improve my life, how to make me happy, productive, relaxed, and successful. It's not bad. All those things are good. And we should preach that stuff. But when faith becomes just about us, then it's no longer the faith that Paul preached. It becomes selfish. But it should be about the God who gave his son selflessly for us. So if we want to live knowing the value of the gospel, let's begin by preaching it. And let's begin by longing to hear for it. And secondly, can you see yourself here today as part of something much bigger? Because there will be many occasions when, like Paul, life will suck. Like Paul, the life, our lives will feel like they, they crumble beneath us whether that's our our personal life, our professional life, our romantic life. And there's every chance that this suffering might feel like it it can consume us, like it surrounds us on all sides, like there is no escape from it. To put just one foot in front of the other, to to get up in the morning, to just turn up to work will feel like an enormous effort just to keep going. You can't see the bigger picture because you can barely see what's right in front of you. Well, let me remind you today that there is a bigger picture, even though you can't always feel it. There is good news. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior. The pain is real. It is no less real than the shackles that were on Paul's feet. His suffering was real and so is yours. But as you feel it and as you suffer because of it, let me remind you that there is also good in this world. Amongst all the pain, amongst all the suffering and the struggles, there is a message being preached. There is a message being whispered between close friends, debated in coffee shops, taught in churches, proclaimed in big arenas. And that message is that Christ is Saviour. So there are many reasons to weep, but that at least is one reason to smile. I'm gonna finish today by by praying. Uh, And as this is the first time we have met together in this chapel like this for a very long time, uh, I think we should take advantage of that. So take a moment to look at the people around you. Uh, If they are in the, take note who they are, and if they are in the same bubble as you, feel free to to hold their hands maybe or or put your hands on them. And as I pray these words, pray them for the people you see around them, you. Because I don't wanna be praying them alone. Pray them in your heart for those around you. Father in heaven, help us to live in full knowledge of the overwhelming value of the gospel. Help us to know the good news, to spread the good news, and to delight when others hear it. Though we face suffering in this life, may we take great joy in the knowledge that your Son, Jesus Christ, is our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.